Hey y'all, I'm Erin Bagwell. And I'm Diana Matthews. Welcome to Feminist Wednesday's Beaver Talk, the podcast where we give Hollywood unsolicited advice about feminism. In our world, Oprah Winfrey is the new Galinda the Good Witch. Green lipstick is a beauty essential. And Reese Witherspoon's producing a teen drama for Storm Reid that I am dying to see. Join us as we deep dive into all the things that fire us up about film and television, the glorious, the misogynistic, and the groundbreaking. This is Beaver Beaver Talk. Hello! Hi! Good morning, gold lipstick. Hi, hi, hi. How you doing? Good, how are you? I'm very excited. Are you? Yeah. This was a big one. That This is an episode we've been waiting to make since we started this podcast. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've been talking about this movie in every episode pretty much since we started, so oh, no. it feels like we're really closing the circle today. Oh my god, we really are. Today we're talking about Wrinkle in Time. Wow. And yeah. I will say, like, we decided not to go to the movies together to see it and decided like to be very intentional about making sure we didn't talk about it and have been really good about not really sharing. So I really have no idea kind of where you're at and how you're feeling about it. I'm so excited to kind of to kind of go there and see what your first thoughts and feelings and vibes are with this movie. Yeah, I mean, I it's funny because like this was kind of an experiment for us because usually like we even text a little bit about something. Even mm-hmm. if we don't see it together, we still like know where the other person is at with it. Yeah. And we really like kept each other. Well, and I was scared because I read Umer wrote a post about it on Facebook and I like kind of lost my mind and was like, oh my God, like what are we, where are we at? I wasn't sure if his thoughts were your thoughts. I was, I Please, was. Please, you know me better than this. No, but I just wasn't sure. You know, you guys both liked Blade Runner. I don't know. I wasn't. I, I was liked like, Blade what? Runner until Harrison Ford got there. Okay. I did not love Blade Runner. All right. I want that to be on the record. <laughs> on the record. Um. <laughs> Yeah, and talking to my friends, I feel like I was – everyone really knew. I don't know if this happened for you too, but everyone mm-hmm. in my camp really, like, knew that I loved this movie and, like, yeah. that I've been wanting to see this movie. So they all were kind of like, hey, I'm going to see, like, Wrinkle in Time today. Like, da-da-da-da-da. Did you see it already? And I was like, obviously, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, so when I would talk to them afterward, I was like, what did you think? Like, with all these, like, green heart emojis and, like, all these, like, sparkle emojis. Yeah. They were like, yeah, it was fine. Mm. And I was like – God, what is happening? So you and I came to this movie from like a different level. Yeah. I feel. For sure. I think we really, we came into it wanting to love it. Well, I mean, first of all, the love that we have for Ava DuVernay is yeah. like an ocean. Right. And it is vast and it is deep. And I, I would really follow that woman to whatever she makes and produces. Um, and then when we got to see the cast, you know, obviously we love Oprah and then obviously we love Reese and obviously we love Min- I mean, I felt like it was the gift that kept giving as far as who's putting this story together. And then, you know, as we got to see trailers on Instagram, you know, like I remember having in my calendar, like the trailer, the, the new trailers coming out and like watching it and like to hear Oprah say, you know, be a warrior. I was like, this is I, I just knew this movie was going to be special. Mm-hmm. And it really was. <sighs> it really was. <laughs> I will say I. I was in such a bad mood when I went to this theater because I had gotten into a fight with my husband. So, and um, I was like, I just want an escape. Mm. I, I'm going open hearted. I don't want to think about my life right now. I just want to, 
I was in such a place to receive this movie that I I started crying <laughs> at like the minute that they're in like the magical world. And I did not stop until like the end when I was like dry heaving. Um, you know, we'll get into all the end with like her father and like their their parent. I mean, gorgeous. Yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. Very emotional film. Very emotional film. I saw it at 10 in the morning because I only go to movies at midnight or, you know, at eight in the morning. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> did you guys go to the Alamo again? Yeah, of course. Can the did. Alamo be a sponsor of ours? I think they should be at this point. Yeah. Um, That's your like favorite theater. It is. It really, well, it's so close to us and it's like one is stop. Is it on close the sub- to you? It's one stop on the subway. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Uh-huh. So, it, and it's like comfy seats and you yeah, get, like, yeah. you know, it's nice. So we went with, so Mare and I went with our roommate, Natalia, and Natalia, she works for NPR, and she was, like, ready to love it. Like, she was just like, I'm in. Like, who's going to this? Mm-hmm. I need to come. And I was like, yes. Um, so we went, and uh, same. Like, I mean, when all the glittery uh, sand mm-hmm. stuff started at the end, I was like, yeah. I couldn't get up. My body was, like, literally, I was still so Nobody left it. the theater still during so that beautiful um, Sade song. Nobody, everyone just was like, we're all just going to watch. Yeah. This is so yeah. beautiful. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Um, and Umer was instantly like, okay, cool. Like, what are we doing? Do you want to go to Target or do you want to go to Trader Joe's? Like, he was just like, I've moved on already from this film. And Natalia and I, she was just like, we were walking out and she was like, I am so emotional. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I felt like crying at like multiple points in that movie. Yeah. And she's like, and I can't tell you why. Like, she's like, I'm not sad. I'm emotional. Well, I, there's no other name it's for so it. It's so funny because after. I don't know why this just dawned on me while I was in the theater, but I was like, oh, this is like a real like father-daughter movie, which for some reason I know what the movie is about, but it didn't really, their love and their relationship was so beautifully captured, I think, that I was like, oh, now I miss my father. Um, And it reminded me of, (laughs) this is like a deep cut, but um, have you ever seen the movie The Little Princess? It's like about an orphan whose dad is somewhere and then they find each other. It's like a World War II-esque era movie. It's like a very rando. Maybe it was a nine early 90s. And I for some reason my mom maybe recommended that me and my father watch this movie together. Oh my God. <laughs> and me and Lieutenant Colonel Bagwell watched this film and both of us like my mom comes in at one point and my dad and I are both like sobbing watching this like father-daughter movie and I was like oh like that's what this movie is oh my goodness yeah it was like whoa yeah yeah Storm Reed and Chris Pine are so good together Mm -hmm. Chris Pine did a phenomenal job in this movie agreed um he his level of presence is something I haven't seen from him as like an actor before Mm -hmm. and he seemed I think Ava really pulled um, he pulled deep for this one. And also that set, I know we're kind of jumping around as far as like <laughs> logistics it. of it, but, um, that set of like the boxes yes. was so gorgeous. Yeah. And weren't you just at the edge of your seat because they shot her and then they shot him and you're going, are they in the same room? Are they, is this an illusion? I mean, you were so nervous for their kind of coming together. It was beautifully shot. Yeah, you really didn't know. I didn't know if, I mean, obviously, I read the book, but I don't remember anything about the book. I, we should preface that. I read the book, too, when I was, like, 10, and I do, we're, we're not going on book rules. No. We're not. No, we can't. I was going to reread it, and then I just was like, you know what? It, I, I loved this movie so much, I'm willing for it to live as I would love to reread it now, but we're yeah. not, we're, we're not going to come at it from a place of knowledge with no. the book. So, Betty's that's just a giant asterisk. 
for this entire episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in that scene, I didn't know if he was going to recognize her. I didn't oh, know if she was going to be so angry and turn and walk away. I mm-hmm. didn't. I did not think the payoff was coming in that scene. Yeah. The way that they set it up. And then it did. In a big way. Yeah. And um, when she, when he asks her, how long have I been gone? And she says, four years. Your just heart explodes. He, like, can't, the pain. Yes. He just gets it. Mm-hmm. And he gets like, he's like, oh my God, I would never leave you. I would never leave you. And like, it's yeah. just like, oh, here was... I am sobbing in the film. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we both came at this with love to Ava, I think from the biggest thing. And I love kudos to Disney for opening the fucking film. Up. <gasps> You're making a face. Uh, you don't like that little pre-trailer of like, this is the movie. This is how we made the movie for two oh, minutes. Yeah. I love seeing Ava on screen. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Okay. Kudos I to Disney. the studio grip hold that was so obvious in points of this movie <laughs> what do you mean just at moments it was very disney it took me out of it okay it stopped being an well, ava duvernay film and it started being a disney movie interesting mm-hmm. okay well i'm talking about that little two minute trailer yeah, where it's like it. she's like i'm mm-hmm. ava duvernay i'm the director yeah see all the little black girls in the theater like this is the intention this is the lens we're giving this movie i thought that was so powerful obviously i want to see ava on screen at all times. That was really beautiful. And her name, everyone should fucking know her name. Well, everyone think, should know her name. I was thinking a lot about why I'm so obsessed with Ava. And I think one of the reasons is she's not afraid to be the face or the um, extension or the voice in which the film is going to be received. And what I mean by that is she's very public facing. Mm-hmm. You know, she does interviews. She goes out there. She's in these little promos. She was in the beginning of her career, a marketer. Yeah, she's a publicist. And I feel like she gets that to build her brand and her credibility, she has to go out there. And I so respect and admire that. And I feel like I was trying to think of like other female directors um, and women in the industry who do that in the same way. And I cannot think of one. Yeah. Like I think of like the Catherine Bigelow's and even the Sofia Coppola's. Like, I don't know if I would know... Like, they're stat, you know, like, I just don't feel like I know them at all. They're mm. very kind of to the side, reserved, quiet, doing their work, which is great. Um, but they're not out there speaking about the work yeah. in the same way that I think Ava really makes it a part of her activism. She's also so open to having a conversation. Mm-hmm. And she's such a generous person. You also, really... we should state that we saw her. Oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> Um, Before the film came out, Diana and I went to a Q&A with her, a Times Talk. On International Women's Day. And got to hear her talk all about the movie and her intention with the film and her relationship with her father, who passed away two weeks before the production of this film, whose name is Dr. Murray, which is the name of Chris Pine's character in the film. So she was making basically a love story about a girl finding her father while she's grieving the loss of her dad. And she actually writes the a new intro for A Wrinkle in Time kind of saying this in uh, the book that you guys can pick up. But wow, I feel like one of the main anchors for this film, and it's interesting that you brought up the Disney thing, because now I'm trying to think of that. But I feel like it was infused with so much love. Mm -hmm. Like there was so much care given to, you know, and I I will say, like, I think the beginning was a bit. um, This is what I think happened in the beginning. I think the beginning was like 30 minutes longer. And I think they went in and said, we got to cut this up. We got to wrap it up. I think they cut Mindy Kaling's soliloquy. I think they cut a lot of pretty, not obvious scenes, but they cut stuff. And I thought the pacing was a bit jarring in the beginning. I So, yeah, we're already jumping into my notes of 
what I would say about this film, but yeah, yeah. they needed way more context off the top for what it actually means to wrinkle time. Mm-hmm. They relied too heavily on the star power of the misses, Mrs. Witch, Mrs. What's it, Mrs. Who. Uh-huh. And everyone's just waiting for Oprah to come. Everyone's waiting for Reese to come. And like, that's great. Like, they're so mystical and they're so whimsical. And I love that. But what we needed th- to know what, in that scene where uh, Storm Reed is having dinner with her family mm-hmm. and her her guy friend is like, what does it mean to actually, like, what did your dad do? Like, what is, what's mm-hmm. his whole, like, theory? There's a scene they had in the trailer that they cut from the film where she describes what it is to wrinkle time. Mm. And that's, ex- that's what explains how he's able to test her. Okay. And the movie literally doesn't make a lot of sense without that. To be honest with you, I don't know if I needed that scene. Because you were so... But I think but that's here's the part thing. of how if you're, you came to this film. Yeah, though. but if you're wrinkling time, if we're if we're in a universe where we know we can time travel, uh-huh. I don't really need to know the imaginary science behind it. That's what made the book special for so many people. Okay. And it's interesting to me that they cut it out. Because okay. I was like waiting for that scene. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden we're time traveling. And mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So Take you wanted me to, with you. <laughs> you wanted it to create more space. Yeah. And I just and this comes to another note of mine. Charles Wallace, the little brother, mm-hmm. completely took me out of this film. <gasps> I loved him. Hot take. Tell me more. Um, it just just going back to what you were saying about the father daughter relationship. Like mm-hmm. that that was so beautifully done. Yeah. And she was obviously so connected to her father mm-hmm. that Charles Wallace, to me, almost felt like an afterthought. And it was like he was willing to like abandon him in the it. And I was like oh my God, what are we doing here with this character? I loved him that he was so like, let's go find him. Let's go time travel. Let's just, let's say yes. Yeah. I loved that part in the very beginning. When totally. I thought he him. really shined in the beginning with standing the beginning up is phenomenal. for her, the juxtaposition of their personalities. Oh my God. And Reese Witherspoon like being like Charles and him being the authority yes. with these incredible spiritual guides. Like mm-hmm. Reese Witherspoon is looking to Charles Wallace. Because he just trusts. Right. Loved it. And she was like, Charles Wallace, like, I'm not really on board with your sister. Like, she mm-hmm. seems like a little bit of a wet blanket to me. Also, I hate to cut you off, and I want you to continue, but Reese Witherspoon was a de- fucking delight. She was hysterical. She's a big reason of why I love this film. Holy mother, she was, I just, there aren't, she was amazing. Amazing. She's so her sweet. Her wit, her timing, the, like, the, we knew who that character was in the, like, two lines they gave her. She was so fun and feisty and like mischievous perfection yeah pure perfection and when she's like i give you your imperfections to go into the it and she's like well i don't like i don't i those are not good things and she's like okay then that's fine she's just so like not about she kind of reminds me of tan from queer eye like she's Mm. not here for you and your insecurities you just need to say yes and level up Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, (laughs) love mm -hmm. it okay but go back into charles wallace because this is interesting he just took me out of it in the third or in this i would say like end of second act um to into the third. So the only, I think the pacing in the beginning was like neither here nor there. But by the time we were actually in the world, I was all in, and it, oh, the it was like world. I'm here. It's fine. It's happening. But I will say I would have liked the challenges to be a little bit more anchored in some kind of intention. Like I liked in the beginning how we're shooting her through the um, forest, and she has to use her mathematical skills to like figure it out. But then I felt like the other two challenges, I couldn't figure out like what was she learning from that. What what are we anchoring back to her personality? So when he did eat the sandwich or whatever, but the other guy did too. So it was like who 
Who's yeah. winning? Who's losing? Why is he susceptible to being transformed? That was a bit confusing to me. Well, this is what I mean. Like, this is all explained in the book. Oh. And I think that that's what I struggle with. I wanted her to be, like, when we saw Ava talk. Do you know talk, what the explanation is? Oh, my God, as if I could remember. <laughs> um, Mary didn't I just scream remember at there you. Being, really. I just remember there being so much more math and science, and I remember mm. her power stemming from her math and science. Yeah, yeah. Whereas in the film, and maybe this is Ava's director's choice after, you know, as we said, this was a big love note to her father. Mm-hmm. Her power in this film comes from her un, like, unwilting loyalty to her dad. Okay. And love for her father. She is, she is like, hesitantly going along with this because mm-hmm. she really, really wants to be reunited with her dad. Right. Um, and I would have loved, yes, I think that the challenges needed more intention. And I think she needed to shine more in the math and science side of things. Mm. When she's, like, calculating velocity and I she's calculating, like, like, that's so it's it's cool. cool. Yeah, it's Because cool. we've never seen a girl, like, really own that space. And also, like, what a, and that's a way that she's honoring her father, right? Because right. that's, those are the things he's passed right. down to her and her mother, who's also a scientist. Right. So it's kind of a, mother. it's kind of a great and I think, you know, even at the end when she said, when her kind of boyfriend says, oh, we did it. And she's like, no, I did it. I would have liked to see her take up more space in um, in the ch- in the challenges in that way. I'm calling them challenges. I don't know. No, I know. Testing of the feats of strength, whatever. Feats of strength, yeah. She's having her Herculean journey. Um, I loved the one Zach Galifianakis' character. Okay, Happy Middle is one of the most profound scenes I've ever seen in a children's movie. It was so cool. You the have set. to find balance in order to be around me. I mean. <laughs> and like everyone can find balance. And she's so, I mean, I just, I related to her so wholeheartedly when they mm. were all standing on one foot and she can't, like, she's just like, I'm not in alignment. I'm not present. I'm, I'm so scared. I'm so like scarce. I'm so sad about my dad. Like mm. I cannot be happy. I cannot find this. Yeah. And when Zach Galifianakis like holds her hands. Mm. And it's just like, more so than Oprah. I think Oprah was a little, uh, she's great in that scene, but more so than Oprah when Zach Galifianakis takes Storm Reid. They had a real connection. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Because you're not expecting it from him. Yeah. He was, was great. he shone like a light in this film. Mm-hmm. It's a great scene. What a beautiful scene. Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> I feel like I'm bursting. I know, I'm like reliving it right now. <sighs> it was just so... Yeah. Oh, and when Reese like spins around and she turns into the like magical flying creature. Yeah. And then they fly by and Charles Wallace like touches Oprah's cheek. Mm. A little Filipino boy touching Oprah Winfrey's cheek. I love how big she was too in the beginning that she was just like a giant, you know, mythical beast of a creature was wonderful. So if you're getting a sense that you have to kind of just buy into this film in order to enjoy it, that's absolutely the case, I would say. Well, I also think, you know... (laughs) I feel like, and the, and this is part of the reason that I was kind of like iffy on the science, although the fact that it's anchored in the intention of the book, I understand that maybe more time should have been spent there. Um, but I will say, I feel like, you know, this is, is a children's movie. You know, Oprah talks about it being perhaps like the new Wizard of Oz. And I would think that if you are a really young person, like, to be fair, like, we're going into this movie with love and we want to see it. But it's not for us, really. No, not at all. And I think that <laughs> knowing that, too, is, like, kind of suspending some of the disbelief of, like, we're in this magical. Like, you're going to see a fantasy. You're going to see a Wizard of Oz. You kind of have to emotionally, I think, in some ways kind of commit to that's this is where we're at. 
Well, yeah, Ava said herself, this movie is not for cynics. It's not really for adults. It's not for people who are looking to get some like deep meaning out of it. She's like, you just have to go in and you have to like be on the journey with it. And I think that's beautiful. But that being said, too, I will say something that I felt and then I carried with me out of the theater, like past my dry heaving at that point was like, there's so much hope of like the light and the darkness and this the way that, you know, obviously having such a spiritual cast like Oprah talk about being a warrior, choosing light, you know, the roomy quote, you know, what is that? It's like the the wound is where the light enters. Like there's so many, you know, nuances and not nuances about kind of choosing hope, choosing light. And I will say I felt like in these times, like what a gift to give young people, older people. It's such a hopeful story. And I feel like that really transcends and trans translates to all ages, which is why I, you know, told my mom she should see it and why I really am recommending it to everybody. Because to have that hope and to feel that is not, it's few and far between these days. Yeah, I think that it's so powerful. Um, even the words they chose, like Jack Galifianakis tells her to resist. Mm. And that's that's like very intentional that yeah. that word is used in that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the permission that's granted. I mean, there's like a super soul session in the middle of this film with Storm <laughs> Reed and Oprah where Storm Reed's like, guys, this sucks. Like, I don't want to be here. And yeah. it's not just in that like contrived hero's journey thing where it's like, we have to resist it before we become mm-hmm. a Jedi or before we be- throw the ring into the fire of Mount Doom. Um, she really hates it at the beginning. Yeah, and she can't test her. She can't test her. The whole her. time, like, everyone's like, oh, this is such a magical, beautiful experience. She's, like, smacking on the floor and yeah. Reese is kicking her to make sure she's alive. And it's, like, a very – it feels like a violent process for her in the beginning. Yeah, and I love Oprah just, like, pulling her aside and saying, this is allowed to be hard. Hmm. And you're allowed to feel sad. And the the validation that comes, that was just so validating, I feel, for girls and women everywhere mm-hmm. of like, you're allowed to be angry in this world. And it's normal to feel sad. And it's normal to feel disappointed and abandoned. And you then have to figure out what you're going to do with that emotion. Yeah. And that's when they go see Happy Medium. And she physically feels the imbalance. That's what I loved about that is she's she's really toiling with it emotionally and mentally at the beginning. And then when she goes to see Happy Medium, she physically can't stand on one foot. She physically yeah. can't meditate. She like she's so blocked. And I think that's something that for little kids who, you know, you're, you're learning how to name emotion. You're learning how to feel discomfort within yourself. I think that that's so profound. I mean, Oprah is telling you this is normal and you're OK. Yeah. And that's powerful beyond measure, I feel. I also loved that Storm Reed. at first I kind of left the theater and I was like, oh, like, should she have been more bubbly or more likable? And then I really kind of sat with that information and I was like, I loved that she was a moody teenager. She didn't have to be this happy-go-lucky, you know, perfect pink. Like, she was like a moody fucking teenager. And she was great. And you don't need to be somebody else to be enough. And I thought that was so powerful. We haven't even really talked about the representation of this movie of having, you know, a woman of color save the world, save the universe. You know, I went to the theater and the whole theater was filled with, um, you know, little women of color and their moms. And like it was so I think always when you can see the. 
you know, impact of that and the feeling of that. It was just, you could tell not only was this movie, you know, so full of hope, like I said, but it was, this was like, really, this means something. And this representation is going to be transformative. And to see her be validated on screen in that way, like when they're standing at the river and her boyfriend, we're calling her the, the we're calling him the boyfriend. He because was great. He's great and totally forgettable. And yeah, I love he that. Was, and he, there was, he was, he did what he needed to do. Served they didn't purpose. give him a love moment at the end, which I thought was great. Like it wasn't ever really about yeah. that. He was just kind of there to support her, Yeah, you know, and I think to show girls that A, they can still be the stars and still, you know, be um, what's the word? Attractive or likable or, you know, I thought that was great. He was great. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. He took up no space. No. I and he's like him. an Ansel Elgert copy. Like, it's great. Um, he, he said he liked her hair twice, which I thought, what a moment for black women. Yeah. I like your hair. I like, like your hair. Not what I'm looking for. Thanks. But what I loved about, <laughs> what I loved about the hair comment mm-hmm. is she's like, don't ever say that to me again. She's like, no, that's mm-hmm. not the way you compliment me. Then when they're by the river, after she calculates the velocity for how yeah, she can yeah. get them over the big ridge, um, <laughs> this all sounds very crazy. It all makes sense in the film. Um, he's like, you're brilliant. Mm-hmm. Like he, he turns that really surface level, almost like novelty compliment into, I like who you are. Mm. I like what you're about. I see you for the brilliant person you are. I see you for being your daughter's, the your father's daughter. Mm-hmm. And she like... It's a moment where she like just gets really warm and it's the really like she doesn't have a lot of these. She's quite like a cold little fish yeah. in some great ways. Oh, I love that. A cold little fish. <laughs> <laughs> but I love when he compliments how brilliant she is mm-hmm. mathematically. I think that, that that was a real power moment for me. Yeah. I thought their relationship was super cute. Just what it needed to be. Exactly what it needed to be. I will say I would have liked to see Mindy a little bit more. I feel like she kind of got lost with Reese, who had this really fantastical, mischiefy kind of like an elf character. You know, Oprah's playing like God, basically, the Maya Angelou version. And I felt like Mindy, it sounded to me when I was listening to interviews and stuff that she had these huge, long dialogue and these or um, diatribes. And we didn't really see any of those. And I felt like we kind of, we missed Mindy in this a little bit. I thought she looked beautiful. I still really loved her presence. I liked her relationship, even with the boyfriend. They had like fist bump and stuff. There was such a warmth to her. Um, So she wasn't lost on screen at all. I would have liked a little bit more Mindy. Yeah, I kind of think it was like in some of those scenes, you know, if you're going to have a character like be in the shot, it's like you expect for them to talk. And there were some scenes where she just, like, maybe said a line. Well, you know what it is? I think in the beginning when they all kind of had their intros, you know, Reese just pops in. Oprah is like a giant. We were supposed to enter Mindy's house. And that scene definitely got cut. I just know in my editing brain. There was so much more to that. That I feel like we missed kind of her foundation of who she is and that kind of. And why she loses her powers. Because that was something that was totally didn't make any sense to me was, you know, this is. This is, is she Mrs. Who? Um, I can look it up. Mrs. Witch? No, Mrs. Witch is Oprah. Right, okay, she's Mrs. Who. Reese is Mrs. What's-It. Yeah. So, yeah, she's Mrs. Who. And they say, oh, this is Mrs. Who. She only speaks in quotes, which, by the way, is my dream. I think that's so cool. I would love to only speak in quotes. Yeah. I basically already do. Um, (laughs) And it's like, this is Mrs. Who. She only speaks in quotes. And so she's like, oh, my God, she says, like, the funniest things. She also says very spiritual things. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I needed like an explanation because all of a sudden she loses her powers and she can speak as herself again. Uh, and I was like, whoa. I didn't even notice that. 
Yeah, when, why didn't she do that in the middle at some point? Yeah, when they have to go, when the it is taking over and oh, they right. have when to leave them. when they're on that them. planet or whatever. Yeah, gotcha, and they gotcha. have to leave them in the field. Okay. Um, and she's like talking as herself and they're all like, whoa, what? And mm. the whole audience is like, whoa, what? Yeah. There was kind of no explanation there. Eh. I, mean, I didn't it, notice. <laughs> I, I think it cut down the, I think it cut down her character. Gotcha. I think it just like didn't give her enough space right, to really right. build out who she is because she's so cool i think yeah. that character is the coolest yeah that is a cool character yeah she's and like she a- was doing the jay-z quotes yeah and ava's such a great writer yeah and i she, she didn't write this movie did she no but i feel like <laughs> you know she had a hand in the dialogue who they were pulling from making it modern because i've heard mindy talk about this in interviews like it's half jay-z it's half roomy it's half this mm-hmm. and i would have liked to see kind of that modern twist brought into it but i feel like we were given hints of that and then it never kind of came to fruition yeah and then some people i mean even when i was talking about with my friends they're like yeah i like i like you know they liked all these things they were like well what about mindy mm-hmm. like, mindy kind of got lost and She's mindy's so like beautiful. A- everyone's so beautiful can we take a minute about oh. the, the hair and the makeup and the sequins and i mean just the everything even when reese enters the house and it's that stormy day and she's in that long white outfit mm-hmm. like a white witch oh my yeah, and her long, like, auburn hair. Oh, it's great. Oprah's blonde Even hair. Even Zach Galifianakis with his, like, drapey black, like, he had a little smudged liner going. Oh, my. Everybody looked t- amazing. I thought the sets were really cool, too, filming in New Zealand. I thought that was gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. Every- On Maori land. So they got, like, the blessings, and they had a ceremony, and it was, like, super spiritual, even in where they chose to film it. Mm, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really, oh my God, the costume and makeup design. This and Black Panther, like I gotta say, I don't know if I'm just in a space where like I'm loving the makeup on everyone, but mm-hmm. like, God, I'm obsessed with how we're like showing people on film right now. Yeah. I love all these like whimsical worlds we're being brought into. Yeah. Can we talk about the comparison to Black Panther? Sure. It drives me crazy. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I was texting you feverishly in the theater and I know we weren't allowed to talk about the movie, but I, I did... I, we, we, you know, we got to the theater and there's this huge line and there was this black woman in front of me and I was like, what are you going to see? And she was like, Black Panther. And my heart was kind of like, okay, great. Like, you know, go see Black Panther again. It's already been out or whatever, but who cares? Um, and then in the theater, I was like texting you feverishly because we were like the only ones in the theater for like the first 20 minutes. And we got there a little early because it was opening weekend. I wasn't sure what the vibe was going to be. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it started to fill up. But, like, people still line around the block for Black Panther. And I was like, I lo- it's it's so it's so hard because they're happening at the same time. <laughs> and I fear that, like, I know that people get very siloed into, like, we can only have one and there can only be one Black movie out right now and there can only be one major blockbuster. And I don't want to take away from any of the energy of Black Panther because – Wakanda forever, but it, it did feel like, ooh, let's create space for both of you guys to have this incredible box office weekend. Yeah, I mean, they did. This is the first weekend in history where two black directors have held the number one and two spots at the box office, which yeah. is huge and monumental. And we need to celebrate that. And we need to stop the scarcity narrative around like pitting one against the other. Yeah. That is not the future of this industry anymore. And I'm so tired of people like when we saw Ava, she was already apologizing for not being number one at the box office. And the film was coming out the next day. Yeah. And she said devastating. It was devastating. And she said a line where as an artist, I can't care about the first three days at the box office, Mm -hmm. which was so inspiring to me because it's like 
you know, Hollywood is about making money. That's what they do. I know. And for her to say, I am about that, but I'm also about my artistry and I'm about my craft. Um, and, you know, Black Panther being number one at the box office takes nothing away from Wrinkle in Time. Yeah. And I believe that. Nobody else does, but I believe <laughs> that. And this is also why we need more, you know, women of color, people of color in journalism. We need the headlines to read, you know, two black directors held the number one and two spots at the box office, not Black Panther beats out Wrinkle in Time on opening weekend. Right. This is what this is the whole narrative, the whole media industry that needs to change and needs to do better. That's not the narrative we should be telling people if we want them to go see Wrinkle in Time. Yeah. Because then it says, like, well, why aren't people seeing Wrinkle in Time? And it has nothing to do with it. That's my take. Yeah. It drives me crazy. I Yeah. It was really interesting because you're 100% right, Ava. It did kind of feel like she was keeping expectations really low. And even when we were there, somebody did a Q&A about Black Panther. And the, the way they opened the question was like, I've seen Black Panther seven times. And knowing that, like, how do you feel about like, and I was like, oh, this poor <laughs> woman. Like, this is how we're opening up the question about it. Yeah. Um, it's just a totally different it's totally different. I, I, I think to your point, we do need, do need to create spaces for both of them to be able to exist in the same world mm-hmm. um, and honor and validate each of them. And I do hope people are, you know, also equally supporting A Wrinkle in Time because it is the first um, motion picture, a $100 million picture directed by a woman of color. And that is, I mean, this is historical times we live in. Like everyone should be supporting and buying tickets and taking their nieces and and going to see this movie yeah it's something that i think we forget i think we forget our power as audience members you know ava talked so much about how we they all they talk about in the industry is the audience who are they what do they want what are we doing are we writing for them who are we writing for what do they look like what do they want to watch so we have so much power so much buying power as audience members. And if you don't want to see movies that don't reflect your reality, don't put money behind them. Because when there's a box office result that, you know, benefits films that are maybe misogynistic or, you know, problematic in other ways, they're going to make more of that because they're in the business of making money. Right. There's about a billion superhero movies in production now because of Black Panther. Exactly. And and that's great. And that's good if they're all going to ha- have, if they're all going to come to that same level of intention and that same level of you know, feminism and intersectionality that Black Panther represented. But I loved Ava imparting so much power on us as audience members. Mm-hmm. We don't just need to blindly accept what's marketed to us. You need sure. to, like, become critical and you need to engage with the type of media you want to see in the world. And that's that's just a beautiful message, I feel. I also love, um, I reposted an interview that she did the other day about being um, coming to a video camera when she was 32 years old. And how, just how, um, you know, on a percentage wise, like the odds of her being able to make this movie are like zero to zero. Yeah. And just the determination and the joy and the love that she brings to the craft and her industry, I think is also something I really respect about her and love. Yeah. And I mean, Selma and the 13th are both films that everybody should be watching. Um, She has such a profound civil rights and social commentary background in her film work, in her filmmaking. And Mm -hmm. it's really, really something to watch. So definitely deep dive Ava DuVernay. Love you, Ava. We love you. Love Love her, love her, love her so much. She's so great. And Reese is so great. 
Reese isn't doing like a million projects. I know. Mindy has a new show, Champions. Yeah. I'm confused <laughs> by it because she casts one of the guys that she used to date in the Mindy Project. And I can't, and she also plays a mom in it, I think. So I'm like, is this a mini prog continuation like oh 10 God. years later? Or I, I don't know anything about this, but I'm really projecting and I'm confused. And I'd like a little more info. Yeah. I'm so inspired by all three of those women. They were, Reese said this hilarious thing where mm -hmm. she was like, you know, I would come up to set and Oprah would be like, hey guys, can you just be like a little quiet? Cause I have a board meeting and we need to find a new CEO of Weight Watchers. And Mindy would be like, hey guys, I just came in from a podcast and I just finalized the scripts on my new television show. And Reese would be like, hey guys, um, I know all my lines for today's scene. <laughs> it's like, she just said like the work ethic of these women and the fact that they are just huge contributors, huge creatives. And then of course, everyone was like, except that Reese Witherspoon has big little lies starting, you know, they started production middle of March, so. Well, um, Ava DuVernay says, I wasn't casting for actresses. I was casting for leaders, icons. Reese is the hottest producer in town. Oprah is the most prolific legend on television and an artist and entrepreneur. And Mindy is one of the few women running a show with her name about her. When I think about the three of them together as a unit of celestial beings, it feels right. I would 100% agree with that. Yeah, there you go. Ugh. They are leaders. I think that's a big part of what this felt so emotional to me. I have like such a deep connection. Reese more so than like the other two. I mean, obviously love the other two, but Reese for me has always been a leader in my life. Mm -hmm. So I'm with Ava. Good casting. Great casting. Oh, I love it. And Storm Reed is one to watch. I know. I was thinking about her on the train coming in and I hope she, you know, and this is something Ava said in her Q&A. She was like, I hope Hollywood treats her right. I hope she continues to get really great complex roles. I hope she continues to do work she loves and find characters that she can really relate to and find herself in. And I look forward to watching her career unfold. Uh, as do we. I love it. I love it too. Amazing. Well, thanks, Diana, for deep dishing on A Wrinkle in Time. Kent, we did all the spoilers for you. <laughs> Poor thing, but I hope you enjoy it when you watch it. He's going to love it. Okay. Happy Feminist Wednesday. Happy Feminist Wednesday. Hey guys, I'm Lissa Mandel. I'm Philip Cassell. And we're here from The, the Bitch, Bitch Seat, the podcast. It's an interview show where we talk to guests about the horrible and beautiful parts of their youth. We like to think of it as an adult talk show and tell. A grown-up show and tell. There you go. Like that. So for a teaser, here's some magnetic poetry that I wrote on my fridge when I was 12. Hit it, Phil. Dreams of whispered music felt snow white and lathered me in delirious symphonies. The ache within is black and bitter. A thousand frantic shadows scream and chant bitterly. I sleep on a lake of a thousand diamonds. You were 12? Yeah, I was way ahead of my time. Fair enough. Tune in. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production. Hey!